Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. Today, we're going to be talking about product launch and gathering traction. So this is probably going to be a multi-part series of episodes. But we're very in the very first episode, we're going to start by some prerequisites about having a product, what you should have in place before launch, and then we'll take it from there. Before we start, let's head over and listen to our sponsors, and then we'll be back with you to start off. Before we get started today, we'd like to take a moment to thank WP Engine, one of the premier managed hosting services for the WordPress community. They've become the first official sponsor of Mastermind.fm and have an offer exclusively for you, our listeners. If you give WP Engine's one-year managed hosting plan a try, the first four months are on them. Just enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. Now, we can't speak highly enough of WP Engine as a managed WordPress hosting service. They're one of the best, and if you're in the market for a host, looking to upgrade, or just curious about their plans, look them up and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. If you do wind up on board, send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm and tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome back. Uh, before we get started, actually, with this particular episode, we're going to answer a listener question. Christian asked the question uh, in one of our previous episodes. We were talking about hardware that we use, and obviously, uh, Jean and I kind of went on of our love for Apple products. And in that, we talked a little bit about iPad and iPad Pro. And he asked the question. He he asks for greater, you know. Um, some greater nuances to this, but his basic question is, um, why didn't you consider the Microsoft Surface instead of the iPad Pro? Uh, as I'm, I have an iPad Pro sitting in front of me right now, I figured I'd, I'd try to address this question. He's coming at it from doing a lot of work with, uh, with Microsoft Word and Excel and stuff like that. Whereas from my perspective, I'm not using any of those products. So when, when I'm doing with spreadsheets or that, I'm pretty much doing it all in the cloud. I may use Apple, uh, you know, Apple's numbers uh, or pages, but mostly I'm using Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets for most of my stuff because I want to share it in, a, in one location and not have that get splintered among documents that get emailed back and forth. Uh, the other big important reason for me of using the iPad is the continuity across all of my other projects. So one thing is I use a Mac. We know that. I have an iPhone. I have an Apple Watch. Uh, And so my iPad just complements everything else that I'm already doing. When I do something on my iPad, it's instantly on my iPhone. When I do something on my iPhone, it's instantly on my Mac. If I'm doing something on my Mac and I want to get up and walk away with continuity, I can pull that same thing up on my iPad and continue to work on it. Uh, so for me, it's really just about the the continuity of the products. When you buy into a particular framework, you get the benefit of how all of these things work together uh, seamlessly. So that's really my main reason. I'm not down on the Microsoft Surface. I've heard actually a lot of people talk very highly about it uh, and love it. But I'm not doing, when I'm on my iPad, I'm probably not doing development. So I don't need a actual OS or, you know... Uh, that kind of an operating system. I just need it to be able to do the things that I want to do with the iPad, which I use it for entertainment, but I also use it as kind of my journal, my 
daily projects, whatever I'm working on and scoping those things out. So that's my main reason. So Christian, my, my main answer is I just, I like it because it works with all of my other products that I'm already working with. Great. So before we start off, let's try, try to specify exactly what we're talking about here. We're going to be assuming, because that's our main expertise, that we'll be starting a premium plugin business and it's going to be starting from zero. So you have no product. What, apart from creating the product, what else do you have to have in place for this product to succeed? And we're going to be referring to this in a freemium model context. Yeah. So if you're getting ready to start, you want to launch a product. And we, I get this question a lot because you get people who are either doing uh, freelance work or agency work or whatever, and they're wanting to cross over into a product and they want to know kind of where, where to start. And it's hard because you're trying to juggle both of these things. So we just want to kind of talk about some of the the things that you should have in place. And some of these will seem like common sense, but you'd be surprised how many people don't start with these things already, uh, you know, kind of set up and growing that will help you successfully launch your product. So the very first thing that we're, we want to talk about is just getting a website up. And this doesn't have to be a 10-page website with all of the features of your product and and you know, all of the benefits and here's the reason why you choose us over everybody else. It doesn't have to be an elaborate thing, but at least a single page website that can give the basic proposition of what it is your product is and does. It's good to have a screenshot on there to show what the product looks like. It can have a minor feature list or at least just a a value proposition, a statement that says this is what this product does. Because you just want a home to refer people to. It's People are going to forget when you have conversations and you just want to be able to say, go to this address and check it out. Uh, so that, that's probably my first thing that I would recommend starting with. So even if you're not selling a freemium plugin, if you're just doing, say, an add-on for another plugin like Ninja Forms or Easy Digital Downloads, you should still, in my opinion, have this landing page that you can, say, talk to a person at a conference and just hand them the URL for him to check it out. And I guess a good example of this would be our EDD bookings add-on for Easy Digital Downloads. So while we're selling the add-on on Pippin's store, I still created the EDD bookings uh, website, which is basically a one-pager, giving a short introduction to the plugin, some screenshots, some references to websites that have written about the plugin, the pricing, and then a link to the demo site and also a link to download the plugin from Pippin's store. And that's a basic landing page for this simple plugin. And that's a that's an interesting point too. Like if you're selling just an add-on for someone else's marketplace, having a landing page gives you more control on how you talk about the product. While we try to get, you know, encourage people like at Ninja Forms to write good sales copy and explain their product and make a video, you're still limited on what you can display on that page because it's our website and we have a formula for how each product page looks. But when you build your own, you have a little more freedom to kind of dig in a little bit deeper and offer more information. It may also be a place for you to offer some additional documentation or frequently asked questions, stuff that might not be able to make it to an add-on product page on the on someone else's site. Yeah, and I don't know if you have your own demo system, James, in place for add-ons. However, in this case, I implemented the demo demo on my own website for ADD bookings. And that gives me a lot of insight about how users are planning to use the plugin because there's a small questionnaire before they can actually get access to, to the demo. And since everything, every part of support is handled by the ADD guys, 
I don't get a lot of insight apart what the guys at EDD provide me. And in this way, by giving the demo, by giving prospective customers the access to the demo, I can actually get more feedback in this way. And for this purpose, I'm using uh, Ninja demos actually as well. That's awesome. So, so my understanding then is, generally speaking, when you talk about the product, your first point of reference is to your landing page, where they have to pass through you before they ever get to EDD's product page. Certainly, if they go to EDD and search for it, they'll find it on that site. But you're you're going to put everything through that your website so that you can get as much information as you can before that happens. Yeah, and even in this case, we actually had Pippin post a link to our demo site from within the, the plugin's uh, landing page on his site as well. So it works both ways. That's that's awesome. What are what are some things that you think a landing page needs to have on it when, when they get started? Like we said, it doesn't have to be a full-on website uh, like you might consider a full e-commerce solution, but you want to, at least to start, you want to be able to talk about the product and have some basics information. What are, what are some of the basics you think need to be on there? I mean, first of all, you should have a professionally designed landing page with some good graphics. Uh, obviously, you can use a theme. That's no problem, but make sure it looks professional. By having a landing page early on in the plugin, we don't mean just drawing up some something that looks that it's been done without any effort at all. You have to look professional all the way, even though it's the early stage here. So I would put an introduction to the plugin, say what it does. Importantly, put some screenshots. You want to build trust and have people actually see the product. And a link obviously to the demo will also help in this regard. And then what I included, as I mentioned, is recommendations by other blogs. So people can actually read the review of other bloggers who have tested the plugin and posted their summary on their own blogs. And finally, obviously the pricing and the licensing details. And for me, that's the those are the main prerequisites. However, we should also keep in mind email subscription box, which should be on every website, especially an early stage landing page. And I guess that's something we need to talk about next. Yeah, that actually brings us to the number, the number two thing, right? Like once you have a landing page, you have a place to direct people. The second prerequisite that we need to that you need to consider building is a mailing list. And this is the reason a mailing list is important is because when you get ready to launch, like to fully launch your product, and this is and I say this is a prerequisite because I'm assuming at this point you have not yet launched the product, you're not yet selling the product, you're really just talking about and trying to get interest in the product to have a successful launch. Building a mailing list gets you a list of people who are who have read the site, who have got an idea of what the product is, and they're eager to get more information. And that is a a powerful list to have, people who want to know about it when it comes out. Because it's hard when you get when you first release a product, it's hard to get people to be interested that are not already engaged. But if you can already engage people and they're already on your mailing list and waiting to get updates, uh, that's huge. That's that's a that's a really powerful thing for a launch. And perhaps it's not on the same level as having a mailing list, but I would also create social media profiles and add those links to the website, to the landing page as well. You want to have social media up from the very start so that you won't have discrepancies by having, say, an email list of a thousand prospects and then a Twitter account with 50 followers. It doesn't really make sense. And it means that you've missed out on possibly hundreds of followers that could be following you using Twitter. 
And we have to keep in mind that not everybody um, uses email that much or uses social media that much. Yeah, and some some tips to make these your social media accounts and your newsletter as effective as possible is once you start building that mailing list, uh, don't just sit. You know, I've I, let me tell you first of all, all the things that I'm telling we're saying you should do are not the ways that I launched, say, Ninja Forms, which is doing really well, but it was a probably could have been faster had we done it the appropriate way. So we did everything wrong. We didn't have a mailing list. And when we did start a mailing list, we collected a bunch of email addresses, but we never emailed it until like months later. And now by that time, all those people were cold leads because we hadn't engaged them in any additional conversation. So my first thing is, is once you start building that mailing list, start mailing that to, to start mailing out to that list updates on the progress of your product and how things are going and the decisions that you're making and engage them in conversation as much as possible so that you build anticipation for the product. Do little leaks uh, showing previews of new things that are coming or how the development is going or uh, uh, really you know, polished UI element that you're proud of, whatever the case may be, but build intrigue and interest by showing off components of what you're about to release, features that you're about to release, the benefits that it offers. Uh, That'll help engage them and keep them more interested as it goes. On the social media side, my recommendation is, and this is something I've said before on the podcast, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face because it's just an, such an important part, is on your social media accounts, be a cheerleader. Share other people's stuff. When people are talking about their products that, and, and you know that people that you like and people that you find intriguing and interesting, share their information because people whose information gets shared are more likely to share your information. Uh, people who you engage and you promote are more likely to promote you. And this isn't just a self-serving tactic. I mean, certainly, yes, you want to promote people because you're hoping they will repay the favor when your product launches. But it's just being a kind of a part of that being a good citizen in this uh, business ecosystem. And by promoting other people, you encourage them to want to promote you because you have been such a strong supporter of them. So that's just some things that I might start doing because this whole early process right now is just building contact, uh, building contacts and, and building relationships that will help you launch stronger when the time comes. Yeah, it's very interesting that you mentioned this concept of sharing other people's announcements or products, but uh, I'm struggling to understand exactly how you would do it if you're just starting out and basically have no following. Does it apply still in that case? I think it does. Here, What I would do if I were starting completely from scratch is I would create a social profile. I may do it personally at first, uh, whether it be under my personal brand or my business brand. Um, I'd follow all of the people that I think are good, solid people. And I would just watch for things that they're doing and share it and just talk about it and mention it and, and comment. So instead of just doing a full retweet, I would do the quote tweet. So you'd, you'd, you'd place the tweet and you'd leave your own comment as well and say something positive about why you think this is a shareable item. Uh, you know, our, our business just sent out a tweet about the 2.6 release of EDD. And we talk about how we use the product and we love it. It's how we run our business and we're excited about it. Pippin and EDD don't need us to share that information. We believe in the product, um, but we also believe it creates goodwill between us and their team so that when we have product releases, they're more more in, more inclined 
going to want to promote what we're doing as well. So it's just about being a good neighbor. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, one of the kind of one of those situations I see is just in my actual neighborhood, right? Like, when you see somebody who gets out there and mows the neighbor's lawn because they're not able to do it for some reason, they're out of town or whatever, it just builds that goodwill that when you know something's going wrong at your house, that neighbor now wants to help out and wants to participate because you've been a good person to them. It's just about being a good person. So I think you can start, and what happens is sharing other people's content gets you attention. You may it helps you build followers because they're like, "Hey, if this person's sharing all my content, I'm kind of interested to know who they are." Now, that doesn't mean just retweet because that is almost meaningless at some point when you just retweet and you have no followers, but when you comment, when you have something to say about it, when you have an opinion, especially a positive opinion, that garners goodwill and that can help you build that list. So, it's absolutely a beginning stage thing because that's how you build relationships is by engaging with other people yeah that's very interesting and i guess we've seen it also with mastermind.fm with our twitter account where we have seen people engaging and responding to what we said in a podcast and i can actually remember most of these people by name you know so far and i actually had the pleasure of meeting them at events like pressnomics and it was a really nice experience and it all started by a tweet from their end yeah i mean all of a sudden there's people who you might not otherwise have known but because they said something nice about us and shared our information they've immediately been put on our radar as as a nice person just just as a decent human being so you know generally when somebody mentions us like that we follow them like, hey, if you're going to say something nice, we follow you. Like, that's something we're going to do. And so it, we can already see how that builds that, that kind of goodwill. And to clarify, we're all, always talking about your organic growth and, and our social media profiles. Yeah. We're not talking about going out and spending a day just following everyone in the WordPress community, right? No, absolutely. I think there is so much, so much more to be accomplished by real-time engagement of people and being in those conversations. It's not that you'll grow fast because you probably won't, but the growth that you do have will be meaningful and when they share your information, it will mean something. They won't be doing it just because you paid for it, so to speak, or you've kind of blitzed the market. It'll be because they actually are interested and engaged with the content that you're sharing. And that's that's a win. Awesome. So it's time for another sponsorship break. And we'll be back with you in a moment to discuss other prerequisites you should have in place. Check this out. We all know how important security is on today's web. This week's episode of Mastermind.fm is brought to you by SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. They bring you the most comprehensive suite of security software on the web with vulnerability scanning, malware detection, removal, and prevention. They also offer global CDN, content delivery network, to boost your speed and ensure your visitors are reaching you as quickly and efficiently as possible, no matter where in the world they are. Give SiteLock a look at wpdistrict.sitelock.com. And we're back. And James, I had a question for you. How much do you think having a proper logo in place, how, how important is it at the very early stages? I actually don't think it's nearly as important as, as many people might think it is. When we started out with most of our products, I designed the logo. Now, I'm not a 
I'm not a terrible designer, but I am certainly not a great brand or logo designer by any means. But I was able to create something that gave us traction, at least gave us some semblance of told the story of what the product was and got us started. Later, it wasn't until two years later as the product really started to take off and really started to grow that we invested in hiring somebody to actually design a logo for us. So you can pivot that. That can change over time. I think you just want something that you, and to be honest, it does not have to be super special. It can be, I mean, Masterminds FM is an, is an icon of a brain and some text. It doesn't have to be super popular. Now, will we ever change that and someday hire somebody to do something really nice for us? Sure, we very well may, but it does. I don't think that's something that has to be done in the first in the early stages. Great, and I'm actually seeing when I typed in Jeff Forms in Google, a YouTube video comes up which shows the old logo actually. Yeah, so there's still some old branding out there. Pippin's review, mm-hmm. 2010-13. Yep, which actually has, I believe, many views. Probably still drives it's like seven to five thousand views, and probably still drives traffic to this day. Yeah, it does. It's a. It's been a huge resource for us. So let's uh, move on to another prerequisite for kind of getting ready for a product launch. At this point, like I said, I'm still kind of operating on the idea of you have a product that's about to come out and we're trying to get all of our ducks in a row so that we're ready to kind of pull the trigger and launch it live to the world. Uh, one of these that we we know is going to be a, a, something that happens from the day one is support requests. Uh, so, John, what would be your recommendation as far as uh, having kind of some sort of support system in place? Should they have a support system in place? Is, is that necessary? Yeah, like I said, since we're considering freemium model, so it's not just a free plugin which you're just releasing on the repo, I would provide that also that you're not developing for another plugin which, which has its own ecosystem and its own support structure. I would definitely implement something professional in place. And you can use systems such as Groove, or Help Scout, which is my favorite. And these have free plans. So you have like three users, which are free in the beginning. And it's actually a lifetime free plan, which will only become uh, a premium plan once you go above the three users. So definitely have that in place. It doesn't take long to set up. I mean, possibly one or two hours to set it up. And you can continue using your own Gmail accounts or whatever you're using. But you have a professional setup that you can easily scale upwards when the time comes. Yeah, I think this is an important system too. Uh, services like Help Scout or Groove offer a frictionless support experience because to the user, it's just their email. They're just getting an email back and forth. And technically, even from the person replying to tickets, it can feel like just you're using your email. But you can actually log in and see a dashboard, see all of the tickets that are in the queue, respond to them within this dashboard, which is probably the more effective way of managing that. But you, it gives you the ability to reply uh, you know, on the go. So if you're not at, a, at your home or you're traveling and an email comes in, you can actually reply to that email, get that to the user, and it's all logged in this support system so we, you know what's going on. So yeah, having a good support system like that that's, that's, that's easy for the user and easy for the person doing the support is really important. So another prerequisite that you should have in place if you're selling your own plugin is a proper e-commerce system. And for that, we recommend Easy Digital Downloads, which we both use, or else WooCommerce, both of which have a software licensing add-on, 
which can be used to handle all the licensing, you know, the updates and the membership to your plugin every, which is usually recurring every year. So that kind of stuff is all handled by these plugins. Yeah, the nice thing is, I mean, if you're selling a digital product, you can get away with easy digital downloads and just the software licensing add-on, and you don't need anything else to get started. That's absolutely all you need. Now later, and we'll probably talk about this in later episodes as we talk about building, uh, kind of increasing traction and building distribution and all of this stuff for your product, uh, you can add new modules, new add-ons that give you more capabilities as you go further. But to begin, all you need is the free easy digital downloads uh, plugin and the paid software licensing add-on just so that you have a licensing system. And that's it. It's easy to implement and it's easy to maintain. So it's, it's a powerful tool. But like you said, WooCommerce has a software licensing, but WooCommerce was built as a physical goods e-commerce solution first, and then they've made some digital solutions for that so that you can sell digital goods but easy digital downloads as the and as the name kind of says was meant solely for selling digital goods that is their main focus so you can you can bet there's going to be more and more innovation just for digital digital goods and selling and helping you sell your uh, you know themes or your plugins in that way and obviously going with the e-commerce system we have the payment processing system so things like paypal and stripe and braintree these are all good systems that you can be using right from day one i believe stripe and paypal are the easiest to set up i agree so i haven't used stripe because it's not available in my country yet however i've used braintree which is sort of a copycat of stripe it's not so easy to set up as PayPal because it, there's more due diligence being done from Braintree's end. Uh, however, PayPal is super easy to set up and you can begin accepting payments right from day one. Yeah, and PayPal, if I remember correctly, at least one of the PayPal versions, API versions, is free with easy digital downloads. Stripe is a paid add-on. Uh, but it's definitely worth it if you want to be able to offer PayPal and a credit card processor uh, option for your commerce. But many people will start just with PayPal, which is not uncommon. So that's not even necess a necessary first step, but something you might look at adding on as you go. So PayPal standard is the free system that comes with easy digital downloads the only thing i would mention is that if you want to implement recurring payments it's best to use the upgrade to to paypal standard which i forgot the name right now but we'll link it up to paypal express yeah yeah that's the yeah yeah uh, to use paypal express which has the two-way uh, api communication for recurring payments is important and and honestly i would recommend setting up recurring payments from day one a lot of us didn't have that option when we started selling products uh, e-commerce solutions that we were using didn't offer that as an option and to be honest in the wordpress plugin space it wasn't a super common thing the problem is is it should have been common from day one and we're just behind the curve so most of us have already implemented recurring payments uh, automatically recurring payments into our plugins. Uh, anybody who who knows the space and has been in the space for a little while has already started that implementation process. So if you're just starting out, you might as well just start out. Uh, it's not the norm. So people are a little bit new to this, even customers who are like, oh, I'm not used to paying for plugins in this way. But the more of us who do it, the more that becomes the norm. And then Nobody, there's not as much question from the, and friction from the user standpoint. 
And for those who are not based in the US, I just just one word of warning that payment processing can be tricky depending on where you live. For example, in my case, I haven't been able to implement recurring payments due to the fact that I cannot use PayPal Express because it's not yet available in my country as well. So I'm really stuck at the moment. And it's one of the most frustrating parts of the business right now. And we're trying to find a solution to that. Just a word of warning too, as you're setting up your e-commerce solution is if you just get started and you haven't you know consulted an accountant or some sort or a lawyer and you've not really thought through this process you may not understand fully the tax implications in the area that you live make sure you do your research ask questions as you get started you know for instance uh, my company is based out of Tennessee and in Tennessee we're required to uh, collect sales tax for other customers who are located in the state of Tennessee, not outside the state of Tennessee, but inside the state of Tennessee. If you're technically, if you're selling to anybody in the European Union or if if you are based in the European Union, you should be collecting VAT tax. And that's another whole complicated system. There's some services and plugins and ways that you can implement that pretty easily. But this is more of just a be aware of the tax implications when you're selling a product. Yeah, and if you're based in Europe, for example, and you need any recommendations for systems or need to ask any questions, please feel free to ask us or leave a comment on the blog post of this episode and we'll help you out or point you in the right direction. Yeah, in Europe, it's a bit complicated due to the changes that were implemented last year in the European Union. Basically, you have to charge tax according to the country of the buyer's location. The buyer's location at the time of purchase. (laughs) Yeah, and that can be complicated. So you need to keep three items of proof of where he's buying from, which can be tricky, but there are plugins to solve it as well. So absolutely, at the end of the day, it's not something that you have to worry about every day. You just need to make sure that from day one, you have it in place and it's processing things as as, uh, they should be. Absolutely. So I guess that covers most of the basic prerequisites that you have in place. I feel or suspect that we have missed one or two important things, but I leave it to our audience to point out what we've missed and maybe we can catch up with those in the next episode. And in the next episode, we'll actually be diving into what comes next. You know, after you have the plugin, you have the basics in place. What else can you do to start actually growing the the coverage of the of your plugin and the in the space in the WordPress space and start getting those numbers download numbers rolling. So and the last. Uh, episode or the one before it we had a giveaway from WP All Export who kindly gave away two licenses to their plugin and today we have the winners so winner number one is Christian Zumbrunen and winner number two is Phil Dirksen we'll be sending you a copy of WP All Export we'll be in touch with you soon and we'll have another giveaway in the next episode so stay tuned for that Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for new giveaways and, and new things. And if you have questions, anytime we have a giveaway, the, the way you engage us is the way you enter. So leave a comment, uh, send us a question, leave a review, send us a tweet, just engage with us in any way. And that, that actually secures your entrance into winning or whatever giveaway we have at that time.
Great. So that's it for today. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jangalea and Jangalea.com. If you have any questions, just uh, leave them on our Twitter account, mastermind.fm, or send us an email, podcast at mastermind.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at James Laws or my website, jameslaws.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe on mastermind.fm. Thanks, guys. Take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. See you next time. Bye.